Hey there, and welcome to the When's My Time podcast. I'm Ozzy Eyre, founder of whensmytime.com, and it's a, a beautiful, if windy, morning here in my part of the UK. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear it, it's so blustery, but a beautiful day, cotton wool clouds, blue sky, and this wind. Big change in the weather from the last couple of days, where we've had temperatures reaching up to 35 degrees. What's that in the mid-90s? Uh, mid to high 90s. Uh, not whether we're particularly used to here in the UK. It does happen occasionally, but uh, it sort of catches us all by uh, by surprise when it happens. And uh, hey, it was nice while it lasted. A little bit too hot to work in my office because, uh, as I've mentioned on an earlier podcast, we're uh, we're not an island renowned for its uh, in domestic air conditioning units. Uh, I said to a friend of mine, it's uh, they're about as rare as unicorn eggs. Um, uh, so uh, it was a little bit hot and oppressive in my office stroke studio which is south facing and uh, very sunny and lovely in the winter when we get the winter sun coming in but uh, days like the last few days it gets a bit hot and oppressive and difficult to work but look I'm not going to complain about it uh, but as I say much much cooler now uh, probably dropped by 10, 10 degrees or more I'm talking Celsius not uh, not Fahrenheit uh, but really pleasant, really beautiful, and as I say, I hope you can hear me above the occasional gusts of wind. Come on, Jack, what have you found? Well, it's Friday the 23rd of June, 2017. It's, uh, it's a bit of a sad anniversary for me because it's a, a year ago today. I'm not going to dwell on this because uh, more people decided to, to leave and stay. I, I, I wanted to stay in the EU, but a year ago today it was the referendum to whether we should stay, the UK should stay or remain in the EU. I voted for remain, I, I lost. Um, so uh, yeah, a bit of a sad anniversary. I'm not gonna dwell on it though. But also I'm gonna talk a little bit about another reason for feeling melancholy uh, round about this time of year. Hiya, you all right, Cello? There we go, you know one another. <laughs> Hello. Hello there. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit older than him though. <laughs> so back to that date, uh, the 23rd of June. Well, that puts us a, a couple of days after the, the solstice, which uh, for us here in the Northern Hemisphere is the summer solstice and obviously the southern hemisphere the, the winter solstice but uh, it's always a date tinged with a, a little bit of sadness and melancholy for me because while the weather's beautiful now uh, I know we've sort of turned a corner and we're heading towards winter again uh, the days are going to get progressively shorter nights going to get progressively longer and the best of the summer is still to come so don't feel too sad about it but my dad always used to say he'd much rather see a daffodil than a chrysanthemum. And uh, daffodils obviously being a, a spring flower and chrysanthemums an autumn flower. And I th think that sums it up beautifully. But uh, yeah, the solstice, a couple of days ago, a friend of mine posted, Tony, uh, posted on, on Facebook that the day previous, the 20th, had been the solstice. And so I sort of pinged him a, uh, um, a quick shot of the the celebrations, the solstice celebrations that happen at Stonehenge every year. 
I said, no, nah, Tony, it's today, mate. Uh, we've been doing this for quite a long time, of course. Stonehenge is thousands of years old, and it's, uh, it's the latest thinking is that it is actually a calendar because everything lines up uh, at the solstice, both, both summer and winter. So it's, it, it's thought that maybe it's a calendar to... Uh, going dating back right back to Neolithic times, I mean thousands of years, to help with when to plant crops, when the new year's starting. So that sort of thing was pretty important, particularly before I had written records of anything. So uh, I sort of jokingly said, yeah, we've been doing it for quite a while, Tony, we know this stuff. And that sort of got me thinking again about one of my favourite things about living here in the UK, and that is because we have got so much ancient stuff lying around, I mean, these stone circles like Stonehenge. We've, I mean, Stonehenge is obviously the most famous, but we have stone circles littering our country from north to south. Um, they're all over the place and nobody's absolutely sure what they were for. Uh, they served a function, whether that was uh, a religious function, whether it was a purely practical function, nobody is absolutely certain of that because it's prehistory but we're fortunate enough to be littered with them. Now, I'm gonna pause the recording here a moment because we've come to a break in the path where we cross the road. And uh, A, I want to be concentrating on crossing the road with Jack, but B, there might be some traffic noise. So uh, I'll catch you the other side. Okay, so we're safely over the road now. There's a, there's a spot where the footpath meets the road and we have to walk alongside the road for about about 50 to 100 yards before we cross over and then pick up the footpath again the other side um, and as I was saying that sort of brings me the uh, the idea of the the things ancient in our, our country um, brings me on to a, a couple of things that that I love about being here and one of them is footpaths public footpaths now these, if you're not aware, these are these are a rights of way across across land, across in the main private land, so farmland. We uh, over here have a tradition of having rights of way uh, across uh, across these, and these go back for many centuries. In fact, in certain circumstances, they can be traced back over many millennia. I. I a few years back, it was my, my sad job to to clear out my mum's and dad's house when they both, when, well, my dad died back in 99 and my mum in 2010. And my sister and I decided that we had to sell the house reluctantly. So it was my job to clear it out. And one of the things that I found when, uh, when I was clearing it out was an old map that my dad had, a friend of his had given to him. And it was an ordnance survey map dating back to the, the late 1800s. Um, around about, I think if memory serves me correct, around about 1870, 1880, something of that sort. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, the UK happens to be one of the best mapped countries, if not what, the best mapped. Hello there. Hello. Come on, Jack. Yeah, as I was saying, the um, the UK is one of the, 
if not the best mapped countries on the planet. And uh, I love that fact. I, I love sitting, looking at maps and, and there's extraordinarily detailed, extraordinarily detailed maps. And I can sit and look at a map. Uh, I'm not just talking about a road map. I'm talking about uh, a detailed map that shows um, geographical features and that shows the parts and that. And I can, in my mind's eye, I can, I can plot out a walk and see the steepness of the hills around me. There's that much level of detail. And uh, I, just, I just love it. I just love maps. Um, makes me sound a bit nerdy, I know, but I can see the pictures. You know, they're, they're, I can read them, like reading a book, if that makes sense. Nobody's taught me. It's just some sort of innate ability, I suppose. But, uh, and I can't claim any credit for that. It's not something I had to study. It's just it was something I was fortunate enough to have. Anyway somebody doing some tree surgery work over there by the sound of it anyway what was I getting back to yes the map that I found when I was clearing out mum and dad's house this this map showed an area that was to a very high scale very high scale indeed high level of detail uh, in fact down to the plots of land were marked on that each individual house was on and it was the area around my parents' house, Go, dating way back to before my parents' house was built, back in the 50s. Um, and the field boundaries were all there, and of course the footpaths. Now, these were footpaths that I'd walked a lot as a youngster, and so they were very familiar with me. And there was one particular footpath, quite near to my parents' home, where the, the footpath itself and footpaths generally will tend to either skirt the fields, so stay close to the hedge or fence or whatever, or they will cross directly across, sort of go straight across. But this particular footpath, when I remembered as walking as a kid, used to go down along the hedge by about 35, 50 yards, and then it would go off to sort of a, a 30 to 40 degree angle across the field to an oak tree on the other side of the field. So I was looking at the map and I saw that it, even back then it did exactly the same thing. There were no features to say, right, okay, at this point it breaks across the field. There was nothing there to say, right, at this point, this is the way it goes other than the fact that people had habitually done that. They'd walked along the side of the field and then at a point 30, 40 yards in, 30, 40 meters in, they broke across at an angle, not directly across, at an angle to uh, get into the next field by, a, by this tree. Um, and I was thrilled by that because this hadn't been planned. This isn't some uh, bureaucrat in an office saying, right, we're going to push this road here. This is people's feet over the centuries. That's all it is. People over the centuries find that that was the best route for them and they would cross. Now, clearly, if it was shown on the map back then in the 1870s, 1880s, it had already been established that that was the route. So it had already 
become custom over however many years prior to that. And that excited me because it was nothing other than people's feet that had made that year after year, person after person, people I'd never know, but who I shared, <laughs> I sort of shared the fact that I was maintaining that path merely by walking it. Now, over here, there's a, there's a path that its history goes back probably even beyond the construction of Stonehenge. I mentioned Stonehenge earlier. It's known to go back over 5,000 years. Over 5,000 years. Can you imagine that? It's called the Ridgeway. And it's about 85, 90, 90 miles long. It's quite a, a long path. And I just find it remarkable that there is that continuity of use over that level of time. It's just paths over farmland, over hills, through woodland. It just has been used for all those years, time after time, by people just wanting to walk that route. That who initially, I think more or less today, it's going to be leisure, you know, leisure pursuit. People on a hike, that sort of stuff. But it's been a useful route. It would have been a trading route. It connected several towns, which presumably sprung up along the route, rather than the route itself being to those towns, there would be probably, I don't know, the, the route crossed a, a river or something of that sort, and therefore it seemed a good place to settle and trade along. So there, there are several towns along the route, towns and villages. But just to think that 5,000 years of constant use, going right back into prehistory, and it's never changed that use. It always has been people just walking along it. And I find that wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And the thing is, if I want to walk that route today, I can. But the only reason I can walk that route today is that 5,000 plus years ago, somebody else did it before me. They forged that route. They set out and said, right, I want to go from here to here and I'm going to go. And they walked it. And I'm following and literally following in their footsteps. So what's this got to do with breaking away from the corporate life? Well, in a sense, it's, it's got quite a lot to do with it. Well, it's got quite a lot to do with staying in corporate life and breaking away from corporate life. You see, if you look around, there will always be people who have gone before you whose footsteps you can follow and that's great because you can use that you can use that absolutely whether it's in corporate life you can look at people who are doing well in that corporation see how they're doing it and follow them but if it's if it's in a different business entirely you can look what other people are doing and say right okay that seems to be working for them maybe I'll give it a go so you can follow that path but what if you don't want to be a copy? What if you don't want to do, what if you don't want to follow the exact route somebody else has uh, followed? What if you want to branch off, like that path I was talking about earlier, because it, it sort of followed the route of the hedge and then branched across. Presumably, at some stage in the past, it followed the hedge line all the way. But somebody thought, ah, no, I want to branch off over there. And so they did. Now, maybe you want to branch off. So maybe the right thing for you to do is to follow the path for a while 
and then branch off. You see, there's a, a, a favourite quote of mine. I'm going to mangle it because I haven't got it in front of me, and I always mangle quotes. But it was by uh, the author André Gide. And he said something along the lines of, for a man to discover new oceans, he must be prepared to lose sight of the shore. And that is so true. We want to keep in sight of the shore, don't we? Because it's safe. But if we want to find something new, we have to, by definition, stray out into areas that nobody's been before. Stray out into areas that, well, we, we just don't know. So by all means, use the paths that other people have created. Using those paths have taken me to some wonderful places, I can tell you. I love walking the footpaths of the UK. I love the fact that I can step out from my home, walk across the road, literally, into the field opposite my house, within 50 metres, I'm on a footpath. And I could walk to anywhere, anywhere in the UK from that point. Because, it, sorry, there's a, a tractor going past at the moment. See, we're on, we're on farmland. We're walking quite legitimately across farmland. So I think the tractor's gone. It's kicked up a lot of dust after all the dry weather we had. So I'm going to let that settle again before we cross over there because his track went, took him straight across the footpath a little way up. We're just going over a little bridge now. You can probably hear, I don't know. And, um, but yeah, I can, I, I find that, still find that amazing. I've lived here nearly 60 years and I find it amazing that I can step out of my front door onto a footpath and I could literally plot a route to anywhere in the UK following footpaths across private land. But what if, what if I want to head off into the wilderness, which I can? Maybe it's not a footpath that I have to follow. Maybe I have to plot my own route. And occasionally you do. And occasionally you realise that the route's not the right one and you have to turn back. But sometimes you find the most magical places and you know no one has found them before. No one has found them before. So use the paths that have been put before you. Follow people who've done what you want to do already. But don't be afraid to break away from the path. Don't be afraid to lose sight of the shore. Thank you so much indeed for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please tell your friends. Also, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And leave me a review. Tell me what you like best about it. And leave me a bunch of stars. Because the reason I'm asking for that is not so that I get my ego stroked. I mean, I do. It's fantastic. But the reason I ask that is it helps the podcast rise in the rankings. And that means more people, people like you, get to find it. And uh, that's a cool thing. I think so anyway. Thank you so much indeed for listening. I've been Ozzy Air, founder of whensmytime.com. And I'm here to tell you, your time is now. <laughs>